This is Marriage to the Max, episode number 143. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Marriage to the Max. I'm your host, Kelly Hurst. And this is Brett Hurst. And we are marriage educators and co-founders of Home Encouragement. And this podcast is designed to help you take your marriage to the next level. Well, I'm excited to be here today. Hey, me too. Well, today's episode is called Nine Signs Your Marriage is Heading for Divorce. Oh. I know. I was going to say, that's not exactly an exciting content, but may be helpful to some. Important conversation. Yeah, this content is taken from an article that appeared in Psychology Today in October of 2021. And the title of the article is Nine Signs That Divorce Is On The Way. I don't remember who the author was, but I think it was a couples counselor who wrote this. So I I thought these were interesting points. I mean, it's none of it's rocket science, but Maybe it'll be uh, helpful to some. Worthy of conversation. Yeah. So let's talk about what it says. The first sign is they just call no communication. And I was reading some of the bullet points that they made in the article, and I couldn't really tell if this meant this is a couple who never really had good communication, or this is a couple who once communicated a lot, and then now all of a sudden it's broken down and they don't communicate at all. You and I know that it could be either one of those things. It could be either one, yeah. You know, I think there are some couples who are maybe both parties are highly verbal and they process everything verbally. And so they just naturally have a lot of communication. And then there's couples where one is highly verbal, the other is not. And then there's couples where neither are highly verbal. Right. And so I don't think that you can necessarily, this is not cookie cutter stuff where you can say every single couple who doesn't talk a lot together is heading for divorce. But I think this idea, you and I, Brett, have seen this anecdotally in the work that we do, is that communication breaks down to a place where a couple will just say, we just sort of are like ships in the night. We live in the same house. We you know, maybe raise our kids together and we're pretty good co-parents, but we don't really talk a lot. So this isn't toxic communication. Right. This is, this is no, just no communication. No communication. Yeah, yeah, which I thought was interesting. I think toxic communication is also not great. Right. But this was more of if you have no communication, it is not a good thing. You're maybe on a slippery slope toward divorce. Yeah, it's toxic. Yeah. The second sign is lying to your partner. Now, this was interesting because I was like, well, duh. I mean, that do we really need an article to tell us that? But what what the article, uh, the point the article was making was lying to your partner about the status of the relationship. So if you're trying to sort of say, oh, everything's great, everything's good, we're okay. You're not being honest. Yeah, and you're really not okay. That that was the point that the author was trying to make. So not being honest about how you feel about the relationship is, is not a good so thing. So it's better to speak the truth in love. Absolutely. The third sign is what they call emotional distance. And I think this would go hand in hand with no communication, probably, because emotional distance, I mean, if you just 
don't have any communication, then you probably are emotionally distant from each other. It's interesting. We've seen anecdotally, once again, in our work, I don't know that there's hard science to this, but for women especially, they tend to break up emotionally in their minds before they actually will tell their partner that they're done. I don't know that men don't do that. I just think we've seen that a lot with women in particular. And I don't know why that is, but I do think a lot of people stay in their heads about their relationship. And if whether they're unhappy or frustrated or they just don't know how maybe to communicate to the other person. Right. Or they're trying to solve it one-sidedly. Right. If you will, in their own interior world, maybe. Yeah. If I do the X, Y, and Z, this is going to fix this. Yeah, exactly. And so I think most couples know if they don't have a strong emotional connection. I, I think you feel that because when you're married, you, I don't know, again, this is just based on stories that we've dealt with with couples, is that when you're not emotionally connected to someone, you're generally unhappy. Yeah. Although, anecdotally, we have heard over the years that, uh, I mean, directly from couples, uh, a lot of times that, and this is stereotypical, but quite often men are (laughs) content with whatever the state of the relationship is, even if there is some emotional distance. They'd some ama- maybe they don't know any better, or they think, "Well, this is this is pretty good. Mm-hmm. It's good enough." Yeah. I can the interesting thing about that is, and I agree with you, but I also know that once a man does become emotionally connected, they do find themselves to be so much happier. It's almost like Without they may not have known what they were missing. Without a doubt. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Once men are introduced to. Uh, the depth of emotional connectedness. Yeah. I also think this can have to do with people's personal attachment uh-huh. style. You know, I think we've recommended the book on on the show, How We Love, uh-huh. by uh, Mylan and Kay Yurkovich, uh-huh. uh, which is a great book about how we learn to attach when we're very young mm-hmm. in our formative years with our families. And that's a super helpful thing that we do with couples is to figure out, did you learn at some point that it was better to not be emotionally attached mm-hmm. to someone right? and and help them sort of work through what that could look like? Right. Yeah. And just the whole nature of marriage and how it's designed and what it's supposed to achieve, mm-hmm. that, that emotional connectedness would be at the very heart of, of, yeah. of the spirit of it. For sure. Uh, Sign number four is no physical connection. And I want to be clear about this because the physical piece of your relationship, the the sexual piece, the physical affection piece, that is such a huge spectrum Uh for couples. Mm -hmm. And every couple is different. Everyone has their own fingerprint. There's some couples who both are very, very high desire physically and sexually, and they maybe have sex a whole lot more than some couple down the street who's quite happy with a lower level of, uh, you know, quantity or whatnot. There's some couples who are touchy-feely couples and want to cuddle and touch and kiss and da-da-da. And there's some couples who don't need that. Uh So I don't want to imply here that if you're not having sex a certain amount of times a week, you know, or something like that, this goes to the no physical connection, which, again, 
And you have certain situations where maybe someone is sick or physically impaired and you can't Unable. engage sexually or even physically. That's not what we're talking about. Right. We're talking about people who just live together and just don't have any physical connection at all. Yeah, without any extraordinary circumstances. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The fifth sign is expressing contempt. Now, I think we've talked about this on the show before. Contempt is one of John Gottman's four horsemen of the apocalypse that Uh he talks about. Contempt is when we convey to each other disrespect, overt, belittling, criticizing. It's kind of an attitude of disgust. Yeah. It's it's genuinely thinking that your partner doesn't have worth. Right. And that can look a lot of different ways. I, I said the word overt a minute ago, but sometimes it's not overt. Sometimes it can be very passive aggressive. It can be feel kind of like gaslighting. Yeah. But you know it when it's happening. Right. And so that contemptuous place, you know, even John Gottman will say that's kind of the final frontier. Once once your relationship has experienced contempt, it is very hard to turn that ship around. And don't you think that spouses that are majoring on expressions of contempt with the other We've seen this a lot where they're kind of unaware that they are doing that to That's their spouse true. because there's not any immediate reaction. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times the abused spouse in this case can take it for a pretty good while. Uh-huh. They can take it till they can't take it. Yeah. And then they don't take it. And then things go south pretty fast. Or contempt can even be sometimes expressed with, quote, humor. Right. You know, where, you know, I was just kidding, was just you know, picking. kind of a thing. Uh-huh. And but over time, maybe that becomes too much to, to bear. The sixth sign that this article mentions is something they call awkward silence. And I was like, what in the world does that mean? I think what they're trying to say is that when you have some sort of kerfuffle, you know, an argument or someone says something that hurts the other person's feelings. It's when a couple just decides it's better to shut down and not talk to each other at all than to engage and have an argument. Okay. And I thought that was kind of an interesting point. I don't, you know, I don't know that I would have articulated that necessarily, but I can see where that would become. And what we will see with couples is they'll say, We'll ask them, okay, when you fight or when you argue. When you're having a kerfuffle. A kerfuffle. That's the word of the day, kerfuffle. I'm enjoying it. <laughs> then how do you repair? Uh-huh. In fact, we're going to do a podcast episode coming up about repair attempts. But for the moment, we'll ask them, how do you repair? And sometimes they'll say, well, we just go our separate ways and we don't really talk about it. And then the next morning or after work, we come together and we're fine. And we'll ask the question, well, did you ever revisit the kerfuffle? Uh (laughs) Or did you ever solve it or talk about what was going on? And what they'll do is they assume that because emotionally they could come back together, Mm. that it's taken care of. They take that for granted. Exactly. And I'm not here to say that sometimes that's not fine. Uh I mean, I think you've been married a long time. Sometimes it's fine to be like, we don't need to die on this hill, you know, and unpack this whole thing. Everybody has bad days, weak moments, tough seasons. But I think what the article's trying to say is if this is a regular thing, Mm -hmm. it might be something to notice. 
Okay. The seventh sign is you don't care about your partner's day. You're just indifferent to their life. Oh, man. And it really, to me, you know, Brett, you and I have started to really lean into conversations with couples around our rule of life, you know, and so we'll ask couples, you know, what does your typical evening look like? Because that's typically when couples have time together. Mm-hmm. More and, times than not. Yeah. And so many couples will say, well, we don't have like a plan. Oh, we just try to get dinner done and mm-hmm. get the kids to bed. And We're just surviving. Yeah, exactly. Which I get. It's hard, especially if you've got little kids and that sort of thing. But, you know, if you think about how many, for those of us who do work, say, a full-time job or a career, how many hours of your week are devoted to that? And you have a partner who doesn't take any interest in that at all. In, in what? In your work. Uh-huh. And right. how your day went. Right. They're not you know. checking in to say, how are things going? Yeah. Like one of my favorite things for you when you get home in the afternoon is to ask you, well, so who did you see today? Uh-huh. Who'd you have meetings with today? Yeah. Who'd I you like- go to lunch with? Mm-hmm. I like that, that you asked that. Yeah. And... I remember Brett, you telling me that your was it was it your dad who told you once that you he wanted your mom to take more of an interest in his work or yep. you know of course she was raising six kids yep. Yep. <laughs> we can understand why she didn't <laughs> complex layers of uh, things going on in exactly their, in their marriage but but from his point of view that was one significant thing that led to the demise of their marriage was yeah. that he felt like. She wasn't taking an interest in his career. Yeah. And I don't think this is just a male thing. No. I think females feel the same way. Absolutely. Like, if you don't have any interest in how my day went, I was away from you for nine or 10 hours. Right. And you don't care what happened during that time. I think that's a good point that this article makes. Yeah. Historically, men have been, their identities have been so tied to to work, but now it's true for women as well. Mm-hmm. So It's both. Yeah, exactly. So it could uh, play out on either side. Number eight is you might feel like you're losing your best friend, which is such a sad point to me, because I think how many people start out their marriage relationship truly being the, the close best friends mm-hmm. and to feel like you don't, you don't have that anymore must be a really sad feeling. Yeah, it's a big void. Yeah, I can't really even imagine what it would feel like. And you and I, Brett, I mean, we've had our low points in our marriage. I'm not going to act like we've just been, whoa, experiencing the best of friendship in every single season. We have. (laughs) (laughs) But if I ever felt like we were slipping away and really didn't have that best friendship thing going. that That's what would kick into gear? That, well, it would just be sad for me, genuinely sad for me. Well, I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> it would. Yeah. Fortunately, that's not the case right now. Well, and then the, the last sign, number nine, is that when you are thinking about the future, you don't see your partner in it. And that one really makes me sad. Okay, so... So this is how you know that things are not well. Right, you're projecting out in the future. uh, You're you're thinking about your future. Dreaming about things that are going to happen. uh And your partner's not part of that. Yeah. That's a red flag. Yeah, and we've had couples who are approaching empty nest season Uh who will say, I don't know, I, I, I don't know what we're doing. I don't envision us doing anything together or going anywhere together. Right. Or I don't know if I want to do this yeah. with this person, yeah, which has led to this phenomenon of the 
35 year itch and mm-hmm. all this other type of thing. Yeah. We People we know are a- getting divorced late in life. Yeah. After after having a core union for so many decades. We know a couple who one of the partners and they're approaching empty nest, one of the partners has a, a very defined idea of moving to another state and starting a certain kind of business. And the other partner's like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I want to stay here and be near kids and grandkids and all that kind of stuff. And well, as a sidebar, that's why it's important to have ongoing conversation, not not just about emotions, that's huge, mm-hmm. but also just about dreams and mm-hmm. three-year, five-year plans, you know, even though none of us know for certain what we're even doing three months from now. Yeah. But just to have conversation, what, what might this next stage look like? Yeah. The more that you have those conversations, at least you're processing those possibilities together mm-hmm. and connecting emotionally again, yeah. you know, just because like, oh, wow, I never knew that's something you wanted to do. Yeah. There's this funny scene in the show, Everybody Loves Raymond, where <laughs> they're getting ready for bed and they're talking about re- their, their retirement years. Who's talking about it? Ray and Deborah. Okay. <laughs> and this is still when they have little children. So obviously retirement is years away. So they're projecting out into the future. Yeah. And and Deborah says, Well, I've always had this dream of when we retire, opening up a little bed and breakfast, you know. And he's just like, A bed and breakfast? I mean, that sounds just awful to him, uh-huh. you know. <laughs> but talking about that early on is is important. But that idea of thinking about my future and you not being not being able to see you in it. That would be very sad. And Be- better to bring up the bed and breakfast 10 years into your marriage <laughs> than 35 years into your marriage. Exactly. Well, do you have any comments about these nine signs? Uh, my only comment is, yeah, so these are things. And what if these things are showing up? Then, yeah. Then what th- do you do? I think you can turn these things around. The contempt one is a big piece, mm-hmm. but this is why in Home Encouragement we're so such big believers in prevention for sure and education before you get to this point. Right. Cause I think a lot of people, if they ticked off a lot of these and went, Oh my gosh, that's how I feel. That's how I feel. That's how I feel. It may be too late to try to turn it around. I don't think it's ever really too late unless there's like just terrible abuse or, you know, something like that. But if you want it to turn around, even one person in the marriage can turn things around. Yeah. I want to go back to your earlier point. Most couples don't think this state could happen to them. Right. They At least not early in the relationship. Yeah. They're not really acknowledging the natural power of the drift of marriage. Mm-hmm. We've said this many times on this podcast that we believe that the natural trajectory for a married couple without any intentionality coming into the marriage is for a couple to drift apart over time. But that mm-hmm. doesn't have to be your situation at all. Mm-hmm. And even going back to what you said, you said you highlighted contempt as being a really, really tough one to come back from. And that's that's true. It's statistically true, mm-hmm. but it's not impossible. It's not impossible. Yeah. I mean, the first step, if you are, if you do realize and recognize that you're in a state of contempt is <laughs> stop doing that. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? You have to, you have to do the opposite. Yeah. You have to go in the opposite direction mm-hmm. and say, okay, instead of mentally and emotionally and expressively uh, being contemptuous, uh-huh. 
just cut that off yeah. and say, I'm going to do the opposite. I'm going to, I'm going to go back to, you know, how I was when I was trying to close this deal in the first place so mm-hmm. that hopefully I could entice this person to marry me, you know, and be in a permanent relationship. Yeah, woo again. them back. Woo exactly. Them back. Again, I, I just can't say enough how important it is to build into the relationship yes. and invest in it so that you don't find yourself at this place where you're going, oh my gosh, I've got eight out of nine things they just talked about, you know? Right. Well, you know, many people in America have IRAs or retirement plans or whatever else, the things that Mm -hmm. they fold into to help create some type of contingency Mm -hmm. for their future. Yeah. This, this would be one of those things. We, we just don't tend to think of it that way. We don't tend to Mm -hmm. think proactively and long-term about uh, things that can very easily creep into your marriage. Yeah. But we're not doom and gloom about it. No. We're just saying this is a reality that marriages have this circling around them all the time. But mm-hmm. if you're fortified with these investments, mm-hmm. emotionally, particularly what you're saying, you should be fine. Uh, and particularly if you're being prayerful and selfless with one another. Well, thank you, Psychology Today, for providing this article that we could unpack. And thank you, Kelly, for reading Psychology Today and <laughs> grabbing this article so we would have something to talk about. Well, if you would like to contact us, you can find us at marriagetothemax.org. Also, we hope you'll follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And I'd like to give a special thank you to Podcast Rocket for producing this episode. Well, thanks so much for listening today. And until next time, remember, healthy marriage, healthy world. God bless y'all.